In your Bibles, the book of Malachi, chapter 4. How many believe we're living in the last day, church? Malachi, chapter 4, and verse 5. Behold, I will send... Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I'm going to preach to you for just not two hours. I, I heard a lot of exhales just then. I want to preach to you for just a little bit this morning. Where is Elijah? Where is Elijah? Lord Jesus, we need you in this place right now. I need you, God. I need you to help us today. Let your spirit prevail. God, I bind every spirit of resistance. I bind every spirit of distraction and disruption. Stir our hearts by your word and through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Cicero was one of the most powerfully persuasive people of his day. From 106 to 43 B.C., and he had this to say about the public in first century B.C. Rome. The poor work and work. The rich exploit the poor. The soldier protects both. The taxpayer pays for all three. The wanderer Rests for all four. The drunk drinks for all five. The banker robs all six. The lawyer misleads all seven. The doctor kills all eight. The undertaker buries all nine. And finally, the politician lives happily on the account of all ten. That is the world in which we live. I, I don't want to disturb your world today. But I want to tell you that we don't control our lives. I, I posted a little thing this week on Facebook about tax paying. Probably some of you seen it. Maybe some of you didn't. But you pay taxes from the time you're born until the time you die. And then after you die, your family pays taxes on what you pay taxes on all your life. You're not in control of yourself. I don't care who you are. I'm not trying to make this political. I just want you to understand something. 
This world needs something more than just normal life. This world needs a last day church. Woo. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 17, we read about John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We must know and understand John was a type of one who prepares the way of the Lord. For the scripture declares in Luke chapter 7 and verse 24 these words and you must know that God is calling you and I to this place. When the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went you out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto thee, much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Jesus said, I didn't send some mamby-pamby, weak-wristed, jelly-backed man to prepare the way of the Lord. I'm not going to have a last-day church that's just willing to go along to get along. But my last day church will be a church that rises up in the midst of normalcy and declares to the world, you cannot continue to live the way you're living and make it to heaven. Come on, somebody. I've come to let somebody know it is our obligation and our role not just from the pulpit, but to the pew to prepare the way of the Lord. And we need some modern day Elijahs that will stand up uh, to those that are in power and declare, you're not in charge. God is in charge. Come on. God will have the last word. Isaiah 40 and 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley 
shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all, everybody say all flesh, all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I said the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Listen, there's a lot of folk that think they wield a lot of power in this world. And their word is about as good as the tip of their tongue and the opening of their mouth as it falls off their lips. But let me tell you something. When God speaks it, I said when God speaks it, when God says it, you can take it to the bank. It's coming. It's going to happen. Listen to me. He's coming. Ready or not, he's coming. I said ready or not, there's going to be a rapture. Ready or not, there's going to be a judgment. Ready or not, there's going to be an end time church that's going to have an end time revival. Because he spoke it and said it was going to be. But somewhere there's got to be a people that steps out of the crowd. And said I'm not going to be normal. He never intended for his church to be normal. He never intended for us to just slide in and fit in the crowd. I'm going to try to keep this to where I can reach you today. From those scriptures that I read to you, we read about the spirit and power of Elijah. It is a picture of those who prepare the way for the Lord. We know that the Lord is coming again. It's not an issue. But what of the last day church? Should we not function as John did in the spirit and power of Elijah? Preparing the way for the king to come again? With that revelation in mind, the life of Elijah becomes a very practical demonstration of the characteristics of the forerunner church. I want you to understand Elijah means my God. Jehovah is God. His name is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament. Which is the number of the priesthood denoting the throne of God or authority and maturity. And we read of Elijah not patting the prophets on the head and telling them it's okay, we can all just get along and work in the kingdom together. I don't mean to offend anybody today, 
But I'm not a Baptist. I'm not a Methodist. I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a Presbyterian. Come on, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm an apostolic. You want to know why I'm an apostolic? I repented of my sins. I've been buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't go down the Roman road. I went down the apostolic way. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I've told this church for some time now, God is separating out in this last day a church for His name's sake. And you can't be for His name's sake if you don't have His name. Come on. He didn't say we were supposed to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. That wasn't what He said. He said baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sin. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, we can't be ordinary. We're not like the rest of the church world. Where are the Elijahs that'll look at the prophets in the eye and say, okay, let's go to the test here. Let's see whose God is really God. You call on yours. I'll wait. I'm waiting. Pretty soon, they couldn't wake him up. He must have been taking a nap. I'm glad I serve a God that never sleeps. That means if I need him in the morning, he's there. If I need him in the noontime, he's there. If I need him at night, he's... Help me right now. Ah, I'm waiting. He never shows up. So the old prophet. Oh, I'm asking somebody, where is Elijah? The old prophet said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He takes the most valuable commodity that they have in the world. It hasn't rained in three years. He said, I want you to take barrels of water. You see, he knew what was going to happen after all this, this showdown was over. Amen. That's what Elijah does. He knows the mind and heart of God. Hello, church. Where is Elijah? We need some people that will know the mind and heart of God to this generation. He said, you, you fill the ditches with water. And you cover the sacrifice with water. And then step back and watch and see what happens. Now this is our approach. This is our approach. Lord, I pray for them. And I sure hope you heal them. 
Man, did you hear that? I wish he was here to say it right now. Lord, we really hope you give us an end time revival. We hope you'll show up. Now, I know that's what your word says you'll do, but, you know, we don't want to look like a fool here. I mean, if we tell people they can be healed and they're not get, they don't get healed, who looks bad here? That, that's our problem. We're worried about how we look. Ah, uh, you're not going to help me right now. We're worried about how's that, how's that going to look on me? Ah, but Elijah said, all right, boys, we're fixing to find out who's God. The God who answers by fire. Come on. John said, there's a God that's going to answer by fire. Come on, he had the spirit of Elijah. He said, there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to reach down and unlatch. And when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Come on, I'm not worried about whether or not the fire's going to show up. He spoke it. He said it. It's going to happen. So you know the story. I won't belabor the point. Elijah began to pray. And the fire fell. Consumed the sacrifice. Dried up the ditch. And burned up their altar. Come on. I'm here to tell you. If there'll be some Elijahs that'll break out. In this last day, the altars of this world are coming down in the name of Jesus. We're going to see a revival of a one true God. Watch this. Elijah's little battle there at Mount Carmel was a panoramic view of end time spiritual warfare. Listen to me right here. John's name means Jehovah favored. Remember John and Elijah go together. Now I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you just a minute. We're living in a time. I feel this prophetically in the hour in which we live. The true church is about to be revealed. And Elijah, 1 Kings 17 and 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. As the Lord God of Israel lives. Before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the spirit of that man. That would look at a king and he said, because I say so, it's not going to rain for three years. Anybody want to volunteer for that job? Anybody want to volunteer to go to city hall? Look at city council. Say, listen, until I say so, this city's drying up. 
say, well, that was the Old Testament. Well, why was he mentioned 30 times in the New Testament if that was only the Old Testament? Now watch this. He, he, he looks at Ahab and he says, Ahab, I'm just telling you, king, it is not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Unexpected. The true church exists today, but it must be seen as a church that does the unexpected. I said we must be seen as the church that does the unexpected. There is in this hour a need like never before for this church, the church, to step into the realm of the supernatural and begin to speak the word of God. Not as our wisdom and not as our understanding but as thus saith the word of the Lord. But here's the problem. The church that John came to prepare came from the wilderness. A people that are prepared in the wilderness. I, 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 I can't. I don't know how to get this to you because it's just hard to break into the realm of, of carnal thinking when things are going our way and things are going well and, and uh, it seems as though we're prospering. I, I know you're paying $4 a gallon for gas, but you're not living in a bomb shelter this morning. I'm not happy about the $4 a gallon for gas. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. You, you ought to be driving a truck like Brother Caleb. Buying that diesel. Oh, man, I about got sidetracked. I, I, I want you, to, I want you to, to know today that God, that it's not going to get easier. God's about to take us, not in the wilderness, but through the wilderness. I've seen seen videos just a few days ago. I don't know what kind of church folks they were. It don't matter. Brother Felix, I saw folks in Ukraine having church in deserted subways under the ground. But you got in your car today, drove down the street, pulled on the parking lot, walked into the house of God, and felt the presence of the Lord. But we settle into a normalcy of thinking. But God said, watch, I'm about to prepare the church. But I'm going to take you through some places that perhaps uh, you don't want to go. But I'm going to give you some biblical truths about the wilderness. 
Say, Bishop, I didn't come to church on Sunday morning to get bad news. You know, the problem is, is we want to live out of reality. The Bible said the wilderness is God's will. Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. As were God's people after the exodus. The wilderness season had a determined time. The wilderness period. When God's covenant people left Canaan and went to Egypt was 400 years. God promised a release. God's covenant people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. I I, I, want to... The wilderness, those difficult places in our life are God's will. I don't understand, Bishop, why we got to do that. It's God's will. He's trying to get you to a place of promise. But before He can get us to a place of promise, we've got to get an appreciation for the kingdom that He's allowed us to live in and the blessings that have flowed in our lives for a long time. took 40 years from the wilderness to the promise but God had promised I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey but somebody here needs to know you're going to have to get in the wilderness to get the blessing of God The wilderness is a place of teaching. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. The wilderness is, is likened to our word for desert, which comes from the word, Hebrew word debar, meaning to teach or to be taught. If you're in a trial right now, there's a teaching moment in that trial. God's trying to teach you something. Don't you get bitter? Don't you get angry? Don't you get discouraged? Come on, somebody. Don't you get hurt? Oh, but Bishop, no. God's got you there because He's trying to teach you something right now. But understand, when He teaches you on the other side of it, there's going to be a blessing that you cannot contain. Deuteronomy 8 and 2. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Verse 3. And he humbled them and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. 
neither did thy fathers know. That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. God said, I'm taking you there because I want you to become dependent on me and not your own means and ability to produce things. I'm taking you there because I want you to know that on the other side of that, you'll have divine revelation that I am the God that supplies your need. Even in your wilderness experience, I will provide you divine supply. He didn't say I'm going to leave you in the wilderness, but he said I'm going to get you to trust me in the wilderness. It's a teaching place. It's a place of divine provision. The Lord showed me something. God said He was going to allow Israel to escape enslavement for a reason. Because when the man of God said, have your shoes on, have your bags packed, and when I say it's time to go, you're not going to have time to do anything else. I'm telling this church right now, and listen to me very carefully. I just told you at the beginning of this, we're not in control of our lives. We are enslaved to this world. But watch me here. We, we, we are we're about to walk out of enslavement because of expectation to an advancement toward promise. The Lord spoke to me the other day and said to me, and, and I shared it with this church, I believe. But God said, we've got to get past preservation. The idea of preserving what we have. To understand that God wants to move us into kingdom advancement. Come on somebody. God's trying to move you off of normal. God's trying to move you off of ordinary. God's trying to move you off of just good church. God's trying to move you off of just, well, if I want to worship, I will. If I don't want to worship, I won't. If I feel like it, I will. If I don't feel like it, I won't. God's trying to move you off of every time you open that car door and your foot hits the parking lot and you make your way into the house of God. There's a praise on your lips. There's a worship in your heart. 
And if nobody else dances, uh, nobody else runs, uh, nobody else shouts, uh, I'm coming in and I'm moving off normal and I'm going to advance the kingdom. Wilderness, uh, wilderness wanderings are complex. Many times people can't understand what you're going through. We all have those questions. However, if you think of the wilderness as a departure from enslavement. And advancement toward your promise. If you'll tell the devil in just a few days, I'm walking out of here. In just a few days, I'm walking out of this and I'm about to walk into my promise because God said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. He'd go with me to the end of the work. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to walk out of this valley. I'm going to walk out of this trial. I'm going to walk out of this test. I'm going to get out of this depression. I'm going to get out of this fear. Come on. I'm going to get out of this misunderstanding. And I'm about to walk into the promise of God. Where's Elijah? The place, the wilderness is a place of becoming an overcomer. Watch me. Stay with me right here. The wilderness teaches us how to war. You think you're going to get to heaven without a fight? You think you're just going to bounce right into the gates of pearl without a fight? You gotta, you gotta understand something. The devil knows he can't have heaven. And he's gonna do everything he can to keep you from getting heaven. And so, it's not time for us to take a seat of normalcy. But we gotta get an Elijah spirit. And Elijah's spirit that says, ah, that's not my God. My God's a God that overcomes. My God's a God of war. Come on. My God's not a God that wants to pet everybody and make everybody feel like they're all right when they're not all right. Come on now. Sin still sin. I don't care how you're trying to paint it. And sin will keep you out of heaven. And I'm thankful for a God that takes us through the wilderness. And teaches us how to war against uh, the powers of hell. And the powers of sin. Come on. Because even in inheriting our promise. We're going to have to battle to get there. Teaches us to war. Jesus, he's our best example of overcoming wilderness wanderings. How, watch, 
how we submit ourselves to God in the wilderness many times determines how long we will wander. In the Old Testament, sins would be transferred to a scapegoat which was released into the wilderness. It's why Jesus had to enter into the wilderness to once and for all withstand all of our temptations. When he entered into the wilderness, he immediately, everybody say right now, he immediately submitted himself to God. And from that place of submission, he was able to resist the enemy. He resisted presumption. Well, I've got this coming to me. It belongs to me. I'm entitled to it. He resisted presumption. (laughs) He resisted pride. He resisted the lust of the eyes. He resisted the promise of grandeur. Because of his resistance, he was able to withstand his wilderness time in 40 days. How long is it going to take you to get out of your wilderness? You determine that. Oh, wait now. How could God let that happen? God's got you there for a reason, but God's trying to see how quickly you want to get out. The wilderness is a place where power is imparted. I say to you today that there is about to be a release of God's Spirit on the earth. And those who are willing to receive it will receive power like never before. So I got the Holy Ghost preacher. You might have it. You do have it. Let's say you do have it. When power is properly processed by faith, we will see authority demonstrated. Now I'm going to ask you a question right here. I'm I'm just going to slow down. I'm going to ask you a question right here. Do you honestly believe right now? Do you honestly believe? That if you laid hands on a blind man and prayed for him, he, his sight would be recovered. Where are you, Elijah? I got the Holy Ghost. Well, if you don't process that through faith, you're going to miss what God's trying to I'm going to tell you that we can't exist or survive the wilderness without the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you this. That the only way for the miraculous to be released in this generation is for us to realize that the Holy Ghost that we have has to be combined with faith to believe. His word said, in my name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and 
ordinary church. I'm not talking about a normal church. I'm talking about a church that operates in the power of the Holy Ghost through faith in God that He's going to do what He said He would do. Say, oh, oh no. Oh no. Preacher, come here, Wessie. Oh no, preacher. That's just for preachers. Uh uh-uh. uh. They said, they said, get them kids back in the background. Don't let them bother us. We got a work to do. Jesus said, you better leave those kids alone. You want to know why? Lift your hand up. See that hand right there? That's a blind eye healing hand. That's a deaf ear opening hand. Come on. That's a devil casting out hand right there. Come on. I'm talking about God wants to empower us. God has empowered us. He just wants us to release by faith what he's given us. Where are you, Elijah? Luke 4, 13. Get out of this, but watch this. When the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him for a season. Watch now. Just, just stay with me. Then, watch what happens. Watch what happens. You see, when you walk in the wilderness and you're focused and you have faith and you understand that you're in that wilderness to be empowered... Oh, preacher, I don't even feel like praying. I'm going through such a trial. You better get on your knees more than you've ever gotten on your knees before in that trial. Watch what happens. And Jesus returned. He went in full of the Holy Ghost. Anybody here full of the Holy Ghost this morning? Raise your little hand. Come on. You full of the Holy Ghost? Watch now. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He went in full. He came out in the power. And he just went and settled back into normalcy. Doing what he did before he went in the wilderness. Uh -uh. He did something. Because the Bible said there went out a fame of him. Throughout all the region. Round about. Can I just tell you something? Can I just tell you something? Look, I, I know I'm an old guy. I've been around here a long time. I got dust on my Bible. Dust on my sermons. and I get all that. I, 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 don't, I don't really understand all that. I, I feel like I, I can still preach pretty good for my age. But... But, but, but I, I, I'm not saying that for that. I, I want you to understand something. I still have a vision for this church. I still have a burden for this city. And I, I want you to know what this city needs. This city doesn't need another normal church. This city doesn't need another ordinary people. Oh, God. You don't know how bad I want to see revival in Walmart. Oh, 
I love to see some of them folks shouting their jammies. They're the ones that need God. We look at them and, and we cast our little judgment on them. But they're the ones that need the power of God. They're the ones that need deliverance. They're the ones that need healing. You think Jesus went through the city and said, Oh yeah, I want to heal you because you'll be an advantage to the kingdom of God. Oh yeah, you'll be a blessing to the church. I want to help you because you're going to be a blessing to the church. Not at all. He found the most weak, sick, devastated people in their lives. And he said, you're the ones that I've came to rescue. You're the ones that I've came to... Come on, somebody. we got to get out of just being an ordinary church. We need an Elijah movement in this hour. I'm, I'm, I'm about to close. I want you to get what I'm about to tell you right now. Power. Power is the ability to act or produce an effect. Power signifies the possession of authority. That an individual has over others. God revealed his act during creation. And I believe we're about to see new creative acts of God occur. Song of Solomon chapter 3. This is what it said. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness? Like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all powders of the merchant. Who is this? Tell your neighbor, we're coming out. Who is this that came out of the wilderness? We're coming out. I said we're coming out. But I'm about to tell you what this generation needs to see. This generation needs to see a counter culture church instead of a sub culture church. What's that mean, Bishop? A sub Culture, church, just blends in to the culture. You know what? Uh, forgive me. I know I've been hard on denominations today. Forgive me. But you know what? You know what I want to see happen in this church? Is that when we go to the restaurant after church, our waiter comes to us and Ask us what we'd like to drink. You know what I want to see happen in this church? I want to see it happen in this church. Oh, you're not going to believe this. But today in our service, we had a blind man that got his sight back. Today in our service, at, at F 
PC today. There was a crippled man in a wheelchair. And he left his wheelchair parked in the foyer at the church and he walked to his car. You won't believe it. There was a witch that came into our church today. And she was trying to cast spells on the church. And before she left, she was speaking in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gives the utterance. Now, I, 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 I am quitting, I promise. I'm as hungry as you are. Listen, listen, I want you to just think just a minute. I'm not trying to be mean, not trying to be critical. I want you to think just a minute. How long has it been since you've seen somebody in these altars receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Think about it. I'm not trying to be mean. We need some Elijah's. How long has it been since the waters of baptism have been troubled? Does that bother you? Does that, is, does that bother you? That we can go through a church service and not one soul be baptized in Jesus' name? Does that bother you that we can go through a church service and not one miracle happen? Boy, where's Elijah? Where's Elijah? You know what? He's not in a recliner asking God, God, what are we going to do? God said, you better get your hide out of that chair. You better get in, your pre- in my presence. You better seek me because I'm telling you that the world needs a move of God. The world needs a people that are not a subculture, but are a counterculture. You know what a counterculture is? It's opposite of everything else in the culture. Okay, maybe the hunger has overcome the word. I don't know. But I'm telling you today, a counterculture instead of a subculture A counterculture requires separation to God. Mark said, now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. and He ate locusts and wild honey. John's clothing exemplifies separation in a very dramatic way. Now we're not called... Wear a hairy garment. Thank God. Some of you are. Nor are we required to live in a desert or eat locusts and wild honey. But we are called to be a unique people. To be distinct from the world. John is a man who knew how to stand alone. Something most of us know too little about. And Matthew links John the Baptist to Elijah, especially in relation to his appearance. 
Second Kings chapter 1, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, had fallen through a lattice and been injured. He wanted to know if he would recover. And so he sent messengers to require of Beelzebub. Elijah intercepted those messengers and sent them back to Ahaziah with a word of rebuke. The king asked them, Describe the appearance of this man who came up to meet you and told you these things. They said to him, He was a hairy man and had a leather belt tied around his waist. The king said, Watch. All they had to do is give the description. And the king said, it is Elisha the Tishma. Oh, the outside's not important. Oh, really? My wife and I were sitting at breakfast. We had gone to Sister Beth, or setting lunch, rather. If you want good fried chicken, go to the Iron Kettle in Sulphur Springs on Fridays. My wife and I were sitting there eating. And uh, this fella sitting over there, I could hear him talking. He was a really pleasant man, pleasant fella. Looked like a biker guy, to be honest. I, you know, come to find out he's a minister of music at and one of our churches here in the city. That's okay. I'm not being critical of that. But I, but I want to show you something. They were sitting there eating their meal. And they got up and got ready to go. And he walked over and struck a conversation up with us. He's from North Carolina. We had a pleasant conversation. He says, that's my mom and my wife over there. And said, my mom saw you when you walked in. And sat down and. She said, I don't know that fella. He looks familiar, but he must be a preacher. Now, I looked about like I look right now, Brother Kevin. I've just been to a funeral. Soup bone. Soup bone to him. If you don't get that, he thought I was going to get eight when I went to Papua New Guinea. But my point is this. You don't think it makes a difference. But people are watching you. And they're not looking for a subculture of a church. They're looking for a counterculture. For a church that looks different than the rest of the world. Oh God. Not just in our dress, but in our practice. You know what? I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm I'm trying to quit. But you know what? You know what? I, I I want folks to start saying, Hey, I know you're sick. And I know that you probably should go to the hospital. But let me take you to First Pentecostal Church. Brother Mark Looper, this ought to be the healing place. This ought to be the hospital for our city. Ah, you're just a crazy old man rambling on. You say what you want to, 
but I've made up my mind. I'm not going to be part of a subculture anymore. I'm ready to see a move of God in Anderson, Indiana like we haven't seen. And I believe there's a people that want to take on the spirit of Elijah. Stand with me. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for an anointing of transition in this church. God, I pray that you transition us. God, just like Zechariah and John and Jesus, I pray that you transition this church. God, that this church would be the beginning of the greatest apostolic revival that the church has ever experienced. God, that our message would be, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Let the spirit of Elijah and John the Baptist rest upon this people. And most of all, God, let your spirit operate in and through us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Where is Elijah? You know, John's message was not only the warning of impending judgment, but it was a call to action. John called upon them to repent and be baptized. Listen, I don't care what anybody says. It matters how you were baptized. It matters. Those are not my words. It's the Word of God. Except a man be born again of water and spirit, he shall not see or enter the kingdom of God. Then Peter comes with the message. He said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't leave any room there. Oh, yeah, but Matthew 28, 19. Read it all, baby. Don't just read part of it. Read it all. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, that's just for that day. No. For the promise is unto you and your children. And all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's for this generation. I would to God today. I know it's late. But I would to God today that you just slip out in the aisle. Come to the front if you want. Or just slip out in the aisle. Lift your hands to God and say, God, I want to be part of the counterculture. I want to be part of the counterculture church. I don't want to be like the rest of the world. I want your power to be prevailing in me. In the name of Jesus. Where are you, Elijah? Where are you, Elijah? Are you ready to put the prophets of this world to the test? Are you ready to put their gods to the test? 
In Jesus' name. God, I'm not going to be normal. I'm not going to be ordinary.